Uh, if you have the type, let's follow an actual Bible, Leviticus chapter 16. We're going to talk about the riveting book of Leviticus tonight. I can't wait to do that. I get to open the Bible. And uh, anytime you do that, you want a couple things to happen. You want Jesus to get bigger, the cross to work better, the resurrection to be central, and scriptures to get bigger, not smaller. And so I hope that's your experience tonight, because we're going to ask a couple questions. One, what happened? And two, more importantly, what's happening in me right now because of what happened? Uh, the only thing I want to say before we get started is after the service, we do have our resource desk set up out there with USBs, with audios and videos on it. Um, 100% of the profit we make from that, we give to the poor and the afflicted. We have three orphanages in China that look after children with mental disabilities, and we have a rescue home in Cape Town that gets girls out of sex trafficking, off drugs, high school educated, and job trained, so we can do our part to break the cycle of poverty in the Cape Flats. The only thing I would ask of you, there's so much out there that's new, it'll really, it'll change the way you look at God, and in so doing, it helps us keep our commitment to them. Just to remove all pressure, we've already given, okay? I don't, I don't tell orphans, let's see if they buy. We, we, make a, we make a faith commitment to them every month and we do that regardless. And if we surpass it, we give the extra. If we don't, well, then we just keep our commitment. So they'll be fine, but it, it lets us project with faith into the next season how much we can, can do that. So anyway, that's out there. The only thing I would ask is if you don't want anything, God bless. I'll see you next year when I come by, okay? If you know I'm gonna grab something, um, before I leave, if you could do me a favor and buy first and chat second, that would be awesome. The reason is, is I gotta, I gotta pack it up and catch a plane to Blenheim tomorrow uh, where I'll be preaching for Blenheim Baptist Church tomorrow night. So um, yeah, if we can, and then, and then Rotorua the next and then Taronga. So we've got some things going on. So if you could do me a favor, cause I've gotta pack it up in a way that I can ship it down there. Um, if you could do that for me, that'd be just fantastic. All right, so I wanna talk to you tonight about how to handle regret. Now, everybody should sort of perk up at that because that's the one thing that should unite us all, right? That, like we all, we all have some pain, we all have some failure, we all have some things that we hope that God doesn't end up on Facebook or Instagram, right? But we, we, I'm, I'm talking about that stuff in our life where we're like, you know what, when we meet a new group of people, we don't know how much of our story to tell because they might look down on us, but it's actually a failure from 10 years ago, so it's none of their business. And am I being not authentic not to tell them or am I sharing too much to tell them? I'm talking about that. And, and this is an age-old question. Thank God we don't live in ancient Sumeria culture. In ancient Sumerian culture, if you thought you defended God, you had to cut yourself um, in order to make it right. The problem was they didn't know how many cuts to do. And so in one sect of ancient Sumerian culture, they just cut till it rained, right? I mean, this is Iraq. Like, this isn't Auckland, right? Their arms would have been falling off. In the, in the Middle Ages, there was one monk who wrote in his journal, I prayed on my knees on stone floors until they bled so I could feel relieved from my regret. Which leads to this question, what kind of image of God do we have that he would delight in our physical pain so that he could be nice to us? That is a problem. And so I wanna to talk to you about that. And I have a couple goals tonight. I want to empower us to handle our own regrets. Secondly, I want to empower us to handle other people's regrets. Um, because what you'll find is there's a reciprocity to 
the, the ease at which I forgive others is the ease of which I'll be able to feel relief myself. Like you can't want mercy for yourself and justice for everybody else. That doesn't work. Like God forgive me, God, God get them. That, like, that, that doesn't work. So I want us to be empowered to handle our own regrets. I also want us to feel empowered to handle other people's regrets. I also wanna make Jesus explode in our minds. And, 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 and I want us to understand the power of celebration, right? And so we're gonna talk about all of those things because to me, the most ancient answer in the Bible about how to handle regret might still be a pretty good idea. The, the most ancient answer is found in the book of Leviticus. And essentially, uh, this is a caricature. The day was called Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur was a day they set aside every year. It was the holiest day of the year. Um, and that was the day you just let it all go. It was a day you set aside every year. And actually, it's the only day of the year where the command is Shabbat Shabbaton, absolutely no work. No one's allowed to do anything on Yom Kippur because on Yom Kippur, that's the day that God lets it go for everybody. God wants you to let it go for yourself. God wants you to let it go for them. If I could use a bucket as an example, what we're gonna do is we're gonna put our regrets for the whole year into this bucket, right? We're gonna put our regrets for the whole year in the bucket. And Yom Kippur is the day that everybody gets a bucket bucket empty. Everybody gets a fresh start, a second chance, a do-over, a mulligan, an opportunity to write a better story with a clean slate, whatever metaphor you prefer, right? And the idea is, is that if we don't regularly have some day or some ritual where we empty our buckets, the idea is you can't carry this year's regrets into next year, or, or you'll have two buckets. And if you don't, if you don't do it then, it'll be a three buckets. And then you have to consolidate it into a barrel. And if we don't make a regular practice of letting it go for ourselves, and then someday we might even end up with a crane to pick up our life, it's just so heavy. And, and so what, what God did is he set aside a day called Yom Kippur where everybody gets a clean slate, everybody gets a fresh start, everybody gets a do-over, everybody gets a chance to write a better story. And by the way, this is Leviticus, which is an early, early understanding of God. A, a later writer said God's mercy was actually new every morning. And then Jesus said, if you wanna know what I'm actually like, I forgive 70 times seven for the same sin in the same day. So if you can't go with Jesus, at least go back to forgiving yourself and others once a, once a, uh, once a day. If you can't do that, at least go back to forgiving yourself and others once a year. And if you're still holding something against somebody that's over a year old, I would say your concept of God is meaner than Leviticus and it's time for us to change. It's holding us back, right? If we're bringing up people's failures from over a year ago, it's time for us to consider just how much of Jesus people we actually are. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read the account of Yom Kippur, and then I'm gonna show you how the gospels framed the meaning of Jesus, particularly John, around this ceremony. What he did is he took something Jewish people knew, and he said, if you wanna know what Jesus actually is, think of it this way. And so I want to tie these things together. This is Leviticus chapter 16. If you could bring that first slide up for me. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Keep going. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. So this day centers around two goats. One goat was for the Lord 
Next slide. And the other was for the scapegoat. Now, the word scapegoat in English is a strange word in Hebrew. It's only used a few times, and people really don't know what to do with it. As a matter of fact, in the Afrikaans Bible, they just leave the word Azazel, right? Because it's like, what does that actually mean? Azazel was the word translated scapegoat. But, but it actually doesn't mean scapegoat. It's just, it, it actually means take him away. But to be fair to translators, that doesn't read real well in English. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the take him away, right? That doesn't make that much sense. So a translator to make it readable translated it scapegoat. But Azazel means take him away. If, you, if you're a Marvel comic fan, there's a group of Marvel comics called the X-Men. And one of the X-Men is called Azazel. And his power is to grab people and take them away, right? That's the idea that goes all the way back to Leviticus. Now, this word Azazel is so important. It's the most important word I'm gonna teach you tonight. So I want us to say it with some go all blacks gusto, okay? All right, all right, some go, right? All right, some real, some real, I know you're a bit gutted for whatever happened and I, I'm so sorry. I, 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 I'm actually not sure what happened, but, but amen. I, I just know there's like, there's this guttedness, this, this, this sort of national angst, okay? But, but we're still, we're gonna support him, okay? So, so with some go all black guys, so the word sounds like this. Azazel, let's try that, ready, go. Azazel, all right, let's try that again because it's really, really important. I promise it's gonna come up later, ready, go. Azazel, and that means take him away. So. This day centered around two goats, one goat for the Lord and the other goat. What was his name? Everybody together, Azazel. And Azazel means take him away. It can also mean a weapon in the hand of the enemy, which is, which is interesting because normally the, the biggest weapon the enemy can use against us is our own failure. So, so the idea is, is whatever the enemy's using to beat you up, we're gonna take it away. We're gonna take that weapon out of his hand. We're gonna Azazel. And Azazel, this is really important, means take him away. So this day centers around two goats, not one, two. Two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for Azazel. The goat for the Lord handles things on the inside in private. The goat for Azazel shows the public what the goat in private took care of. Because people have a hard time believing things they can't see. Oh, by the way, that's exactly how the Bible frames Jesus. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, but in these last days was made manifest so you could see it. That's how 1 Peter 1 and 1 John 1 frames Jesus. That before the foundation of the world, Jesus took care of it all, but people wouldn't believe it without seeing it. So God loved us enough to show us how compassionate he was from the beginning before the foundation of, of the world. So go on, next slide. This is uh, Leviticus 16 verse nine, Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. In other words, if you're the goat whose lot falls to the Lord, it's gonna be a bad day for you, okay? But let's just be honest, if you're born a goat, it's just a bad day, right? <laughs> right, right, right? But the goat chosen by lot as the Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it away into the desert as the Azazel. So this day, centered around two goats, one goat for the Lord and the other. Everybody together, it's really important, ready, go. Azazel, and that means take him away. Now, I'm gonna take you through the ceremony 
uh, for the goat for the Lord and the goat for Azazel. You can read about this in Leviticus 16, Leviticus 23. You can also read about it in the Mishnah or any Jewish sort of liturgy, or you could just take my word for it, okay? And then, and then I'm gonna show you where the gospel writers are like, hey, look at this. So first, the goat for the Lord. So the goat for the Lord, they would take the goat in to, this, to, to the place and they would tie the goat to the altar. Now, the first thing they would do, next slide, was something called mala. Mala is the laying on of hands. Now for us, we picture mala or the laying on of hands as literally, right? And look, I have no trouble. If you lay hands on someone like that and it works, please keep doing it. But in their world, laying on of hands wasn't necessarily touching people. It was imparting something that was within your authority to impart over the top of them. In in this concept, the, the priest was empowered by God to put all the regrets of the Israelites onto this goat. So if everybody brings their bucket of regret, we're gonna take everybody's regret and we're gonna place it on the goat. The Mishnah says that when the priest would place his hands over the goat and impart the sins over the, of the people onto that goat, the pressure from all of their failure would force the priest to turn his head. So the picture is like this. Hang on a second. The gospel writers say that when Jesus was on the cross, tied up, attached to the altar. It says that the father put the sins of the whole world on him. And then what did the father do? He turned his, this is Yom Kippur language. It's, it's like, wait a minute, is this the day God just lets it all go? But not just for Israel, but evidently for the whole world. The, the, the next part of the ceremony, next slide, was called the press. The, 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 the priest would would, would lay on the goat and squeeze. It was, like, it was, I think the idea was we really, really, really need to get the sins in the goat. Now, the play on words here is the word press in Hebrew is Gethsemane. Hmm. Gospel writers say that Jesus went to the garden of, uh-huh, and what did he pray? Father, I'm pressed with the sins of the whole world. This is Yom Kippur language. Like, is Jesus the physical embodiment of this ultimate day of grace that God lets all of our failure go? Is this happening right in front of us? The the next part of the ceremony was called, next slide, it is finished. (laughs) The, The priest at exactly the ninth hour would pull the goat's head back and slit the goat's throat. And he would say, it is finished. Why? Because everybody's outside. Like thousands and thousands of people are outside. They couldn't get inside. So he's letting the people know where he is in the ceremony. It is finished. And he would cut the goat's throat. He would then catch the goat's blood in this cone-shaped cylinder, broad at the top, narrow at the bottom. And he would swirl it because the scripture said the blood had to stay alive for it to be meaningful. So he'd swirl it to keep it moving. And he would walk from the altar to the Holy of Holies saying a famous phrase. Next slide. The phrase was, don't touch me, don't touch me. I have not yet offered the blood of the sacrifice. Don't touch me, don't touch me. I have not yet offered the blood of the sacrifice. Hang on, the the gospel writers say that exactly the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. When he raises from the dead, he meets two women in a garden. And what does he say? Hello, no. He says, don't touch me. This is all Yom Kippur language. It's like, wait a minute. Is Jesus the physical embodiment of this ultimate day of grace where God just lets it all go? Is this happening right now in front of us, not just for Jews, but for the whole entire 
world. The priest would then walk into the Holy of Holies. He would sprinkle blood on the altar seven times. Different sermon for a different day. Sprinkle blood on the altar seven times. He would then be a nasty, bloody mess, obviously. He would come out and he would, next slide, he would have to wash his hands. And then the last thing he would have to do after washing his hands is he would present his hands to be inspected by witnesses. It was like, yes, I'm not a ghost. I'm fl- I survived it. The idea was, is if you survive that, then God has accepted it, right? right? Hang on a second. The gospel writers say, after all these things, Jesus appears to his disciples in the upper room. And what's the first thing he does? He presents his hands for inspection. He says, it's, it's me. It's, it's, I'm not a ghost. Like this is Yom Kippur language. This is like, wait a minute. Is this the day God just lets it all go? Is Jesus the physical embodiment of this ultimate day of grace and mercy where God gets everybody a clean slate, everybody a fresh start, everybody a do-over, and everybody an opportunity to write a better story. But this day doesn't just center around one goat, it centers around two goats. And the second goat's name was, everybody together, really important, go, Azazel, and that means take him away. Next slide. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting. Next slide. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall then bring forward the live goat, Azazel. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat, Mala, and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. Stop. So so they would take this terrified goat, right? He knew what happened to his friend in there, right? He's standing in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Did everybody bring your bucket of regret? Everybody's got your bucket of failure and and regret. So, So he would, mala, he would lay hands. The goat out here is meant to show everybody in public what the goat in there accomplished, right? It's, it's, this is a physical sort of thing. They would put it on the goat's head. We'll talk about how they did that in a second, but I wanna focus on one word right now because I can read that in the original language and I could tell you when it says they put all the sins on the goat's head, the word is actually all. Because when all says all, let's leave all all. Because if all doesn't mean all, we run the risk of our regret not counting in all. So let's quit making exceptions to all. Because when all says all, it means all. And it's better if we just leave it all. Because if all means all, then all is really, really good. But if we make exceptions to the word all, we run the risk of our regrets not counting into all. So let's leave all all because it says all. And all is better if we just leave it all, right? <laughs> but Shane, he went through a divorce. I know. Oh, but Shaney's an addict. You know, all, all means all. Let's keep going. Next slide. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place and the man shall release it into the desert. So it says, you gotta, you gotta put the goat in the care of a man appointed to the task and the guy's, his whole job is to release the goat into the desert, so it goes away. Azazel, take him away. The man who releases the goat, next slide, as the Azazel, must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water after he, afterwards he may return to the camp. So let me walk you through this ceremony, the goat for Azazel. 
So they would take the goat, and the first thing they would do, next slide, is the laying on of hands, mala, all the sins onto the head of the goat. Then they would physically attach the sins to the head of the goat. How would they do that? With a scarlet woolen thread, a red cord. They would take, they would take the goat's head and they would wrap his head with this red cord, this red wrapping. And then the priest would say, behold, Israel, your sin. Behold, Israel, your sin. Hang on a second. The gospel writers say that as a part of Jesus's trial, Pilate stood Jesus in front of the Jewish crowd and had his head wrapped in thorns. Hold on, if you wrap a man's head in thorns, what color would the wrapping be? Red. So part of the gospel story is Jesus standing in front of a Jewish crowd with red wrapping wrapped around his head. This is Yom Kippur language. Like, wait a minute, is this the day God just lets it all go? The next part of the ceremony was called the walk through the crowd. They would walk the goat through the crowd and the whole way the crowd would be mocking and scourging the goat. It was just, this goat is just copping it from everybody. They're spitting on him. They're saying, our failures are on you. We're not carrying this anymore. And this goat's walking through the crowd. And the priest would say, behold, Israel, your sin is being removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Behold, Israel, your sin is being removed from you as far as the east is from the west. He would get to the end of the crowd and he would hand it to the care of a man appointed to the task. And that man's job was to release the goat into the desert. Next slide. So he would release the goat into the desert. Now this takes a while. I've been there. I've seen where they do this. This was far out there, right? And here's the problem, right? The problem is you're not allowed to do anything. Like literally, Shabbat Shabbaton. You can't do anything, right? So you just sort of had to wait for this to happen. Like, So what they started to do was they started to throw the goat off the nearest cliff, right? The reason is that was easier, right? And the Mishnah says that one Yom Kippur, three days after Yom Kippur, the goat found his way back, right? <laughs> And so everybody's sins returned, right? It's like a loaded goat, right? So they wanted to make sure that never happened again. By the way, if you're a primary English speaker, this is a part of our metaphors. Remember when you were a kid and if you did something dumb and your friends were taking the mickey out of you, right? What did your grandmother tell you? Hey, Shane, don't let them get your goat. Don't let them get your goat. Don't, what, what is that a metaphor for? It's a metaphor for bringing up someone's failure. It's bringing up their shame. It's bringing up their pain. This is a reference to Yom Kippur. Oh, oh, oh by the way, by the way, can, can I just, I'm gonna rant for a second, right? The church of Jesus Christ has lost a lot of its credibility because we're now known for being goat bringers instead of goat removers, okay? And here's the thing, right? I think I'm speaking for the leadership here. If I'm not, I humbly apologize, it's not my place. But I'm pretty confident on this one. That Church Unlimited is a place of fresh starts, second chances, clean slates, and opportunity to write a better story. If you're ready to get your life straight, we're ready to walk with you every single step of the way. And we're not bringing up your failure. You realize when you bring up someone's failure, you're a goat bringer instead of a goat remover. You've become the weapon in the hand of the enemy that God's trying to release. I do not think we want to be in that position. May we never be goat bringers, but always reminders that goats have been removed. So the next time someone brings up your failure, this is what I want you to do. Go, oh yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Here's the problem. I just don't see my goat anywhere, right? <laughs> see what they do. So, so they're all waiting on this goat to be removed, you know, they're just waiting, right, and excited. 
But how do you know? Like the only person allowed to do anything is the priest and he's doing stuff like shuffling ashes of the red heifer and doing things, but everybody's just waiting. Yom Kippur, you knew the goat was removed. You, you, okay, so the goat on the inside, if the priest survives it, it's accepted. But you know the goat on the outside, you know it's approved and it's been, it's been removed. The, the Talmud says a miracle happens on this day every year. And that miracle, next slide, was the cord would turn white. Here, here's what would happen. The priest would cut a piece of the red cord off the, off the goat's head and he'd hang it from the temple door. So everybody's watching this, hanging it from the temple door. He's doing his stuff. And then what would happen is the cord would turn white. It's mentioned in Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be made white as snow. It's a Yom Kippur reference, right? Now, I, I, I want you to picture this, okay? And try to be emotional about it, right? Can you imagine the basic feeling in the place? <laughs> like if you're there and you've got your whole bucket of regret, the priest survives and the goat leaves and that cord turns white. It was like this universal, cosmic, ridiculous miracle that God's saying, hey, let it go for you, let it go for them. Can you imagine the feeling? It would start buzzing. Like, but, but here's the thing, you're not allowed to do anything until Yom Kippur ends. And Yom Kippur ends when the priest notices the cord turn white. Is a very simple thing. On the platform was a chair. This'll do. And the priest would back up to this chair. He'd hold his hands up. And he would simply sit down. <laughs> and when the priest sat down, it was the indication to the people Everything's been done. The goat inside, the goat outside, the whole year has been covered. Everybody gets a clean slate. Everybody gets a fresh start. Everybody gets a do-over. Everybody gets a chance to write a better story. Everybody gets mercy. Let it go for you. Let it go for them. And when the priests sat down, they were free to act. Let me see if I can think of the Hebrew word for this. They went nuts. <laughs> Why? Because when you get a revelation that God has let it go for you, and it wasn't worship to get God to act, it was worship because he already acted. Worship to get God to act, that's a little bit like witchcraft. Worship as a response and a celebration of what God has already done. They, they blew horns, they clapped, they jumped, they sang. Why? Because when you get a revelation of a fresh start, a second chance, a clean slate, and an opportunity to write a better story, my goodness, that's worth celebrating. This is a Jewish, this is a English, an old English translation of a very old Jewish history book. Um, and it's about one guy who went to Yom Kippur and he was so moved, he wrote down his experience. Forgive a little bit of the old English here, but it's, it, his experience is quite moving. Um, next slide. He then fastened a scarlet woolen thread to the head of the goat for Azazel. 
And laying his hands upon it again, he recited the following confession of sin and prayer for forgiveness. Oh Lord, I've acted with iniquities, trespasses, and sins before you. I, my household, and the sons of Aaron, your holy ones. Oh Lord, forgive the iniquities, transgressions, and sins that I, my household, and Aaron's children, your holy people, committed before you. As it is written in the law of Moses, your servant. For on this day, he will forgive you to cleanse you from all your sins before the Lord, and you will be clean. Is Jesus Yom Kippur right in front of us? Hang on a second. I want to test your knowledge of a, of a famous story, the Easter story. Like we've doubtless, if you've been in church at all very long, you've been to an Easter play. You likely saw some movie about the passion of the Christ. If, if you really, like Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, you probably all saw it once, probably didn't see it twice because you can't watch someone get beat up that bad for that long. But Mel Gibson gets it right. But every, every passion play, every Easter play, you got Jesus and Pilate and some Jews and this midnight arrest and Judas kiss and all this. And Pilate's in a conundrum, isn't he? He, he doesn't want to hurt Jesus, but he doesn't want to riot either, right? And remember, he says, you know what? I'm gonna leave it up to you. What do you want me to do with him, remember? And they chant something famous. Everybody together, let's chant it together. Ready, go. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Here's the problem. That is not what they said. This is John 19, check this out. It was about the day of preparation for Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here's your king, Pilate said to the Jews, and watch their response. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Hold on a second. If a Jewish crowd is chanting, take him away, what word would they have been saying? Azazel, Azazel, Azazel. Hold on, is this... Is this the day God just lets it all go? Uh, hold on. Leviticus says that the Azazel must be given charge over by a man. Remember Jesus tells Pilate, you've been given charge over me, right? And then it says, after the person in charge of the Azazel is done with him, he has to wash his hands. Looks like. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. Is this the day God just lets it all go? Oh, but wait a minute. Yom Kippur ends when the priest sits. Hmm, next slide. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never Take away. So if you got a standing priest, you got more work to do, right? But this priest, when he is offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he is now sat down at the right hand of God. Hmm. Which leads me to this question Have we ever presented the gospel in such a way that makes Jesus stand back up? <laughs> 
Have we ever acted like it's our ritual, our moment, our time versus a loving consent to God's consent to us? God consents in love to us and we mutually consent back and participate in what he's doing. That's called salvation. As a matter of fact, the only time in the rest of the New Testament you see Jesus standing is when at the stoning of Stephen, the stoning of Stephen, Jesus stands. It's almost like if you're gonna act like this, what is going on? on. And I want to tell you that I don't ma- it doesn't matter to me what you've done or what regret you have or what failure you had. The good news is better than that failure. Your priest is sitting and everything. The New Testament gospel is our priest is sitting down. I prayed on my knees on stone floors until they bled. What kind of image? Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. Our priest is sitting. There's this guy named John. And he writes this letter about the implications of Jesus and seeing him through the lens of Yom Kippur. First John chapter two, check this out, next slide. Dear children, I love that, dear children. I write this to you so that you will not sin. Stop. The only appropriate response to God's grace is to choose to live better. Right? Like, here's the thing, right? If God empties your bucket, don't show up next year with the same exact bucket. Right? Is he faithful and just to keep emptying the bucket? Yes, but your life will stink. You don't want to convolute forgiveness with quality of life. You can be a forgiven person who ruins your life. Right? Like the, the principle's obvious. If God gives you a clean slate, write a better story. Right? If, if, you're, if you're hitting a golf shot and someone talks in your swing and you hit it in the water and they give you a do-over, aim different. If you break the law and a clever lawyer gets you out of the thing, stop breaking the law. If you take an exam and you fail the exam, but the teacher takes compassion on you and lets you take the exact exam over, write different answers, right? Like the idea is, is that if God is emptying our buckets, use that as a golden opportunity to choose a better life and write a better story and right? Like, come on, like you don't show up every year with the same exact bucket. Is God faithful to forgive it? Sure, but the quality of your life's at stake. Dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. I love where he goes here. If you bring that back up. But if anybody does sin, I love that. Dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. But if you do, and you will, We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Keep going. He is the atoning sacrifice. Yom Kippur. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Oh, and not only for our sins, but also the sins of the... Oh, dear children. I hope you don't. But if you do, there's a good news that's better than that story. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is defending you before the Father. Oh, man. Now, how how can we remember today? They say great sermons 
our great teachers can summarize big sermons in one sentence. I'm going to try four. <laughs> so actually, can I get my musicians back? We're going to have a bit of a time here. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. You know what? I gave you exactly 30 seconds notice on that. I apologize. If I could, here, they, here they are. So how can we remember tonight? Because I gave you a lot. Let's, let's, let's remember it this way. Next slide. The hands have been washed. Like, Shane, I know, but you understand, it's this lust thing. I can't seem to beat it. The computer calls to me all the time. I know, I know, dear children, stop engaging in things that ruins your life. But the good news is better than that failure. The good news is that the hands have been washed and there's an opportunity tonight to choose to write a better story going forward. It's better than that. But let, let's say it this way. Next slide. The cord has turned. Next one. The cord. <laughs> the cord has turned white. But Shane, you understand, it's this divorce. I know. I know, dear children. I wish you wouldn't have went through that. Seriously, the pain must have been un. Bearable, and I wish we could have saved you from that. But the good news is better than that failure. The good news is that the cord has turned white. But Shane, it was my fault. I know, I know, dear children, I wish you wouldn't have. And the good news can be better. And from this day forward, you can choose to live with integrity going forward, but leave all that other stuff behind. The good news is better than that failure. The good news is the cord has turned white. May we remember it this way. Next slide. The priest has sat down. Yeah, but Shane, it was this crime. I did my time. I robbed somebody. And I did my time. And now I'm wondering if I, I really want to live for Jesus. I'm wondering if everybody knows and what they know. And do I say? And will they think different of me? Dear children, I wish you wouldn't have. But the good news is better than that story. The good news is that the priest has sat down and there's nothing you can do to, to do more than what he's already done. The good news is better than that. And this is a place where if you're ready to get your life straight, we will walk you every step of the way because the good news is better than that goat. The good news is that the priest has sat down. But maybe the best way we can remember tonight is simply this, next slide. The goat has left the building. Azazelvis has left the building. <laughs> but Shane, you don't understand, man. It was like, I know, I know. Dear children, for goodness sake, quit ruining your life. But the good news is better than that failure. The good news is your goat has left the building. But Shane, you don't understand. It was my fault. It was this. I know, I know. Dear children, please use this as an opportunity to write a better story going forward. But the good news is better than that failure. The good news is your goat has left the building. Now, I thought long and hard about how to end tonight. There's a couple ways to do it. One is to have an altar call. And in that altar call, this is what it would look like. We'd go, okay, if you have failures that you wanna leave up here, we're gonna have a prayer team here to pray for you. And um, we're going to leave it here. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what we're going to do tonight. Because quite frankly, I don't want to deal with all the snot that that entails. And it's frankly gross. 
And I think it misses the spirit of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur ends with violent celebration. And in that celebration, the reality of this grace comes alive. So with almost no notice, I asked Dan if he could pick a raucous song. And here's the thing, I, 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 um, I gotta be careful with this because I'm gonna say something that I'm, if, if I tell people we're gonna go nuts, okay? That's not helpful, especially for white people. White people are like, go nuts. Like, what are we You can't tell white people go nuts. We don't know what that is. White people even dance with their shoulders. Instead, they're like, hey. So I, I'm gonna, hey. You know, Chris Rock is at Spark Arena tonight, but Shane Willard's here, right? <laughs> the price point's a little different on the seat, but nonetheless. So as a part of the sermon, we're not dismissing at all. Would you stand with me? And I'm gonna pick something. This is, this is, a, this is just part of the sermon. I want us to understand and invoke the power of celebration. This will only take whatever song they chose. Uh, we're only gonna sing it about 30, 40 seconds. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna do something that's universally easy to do and everybody, white people included, can do it. And it's called clapping on beat. And, and let me just teach you something about clapping for a second. So there's a way to clap, right? It's like, oh, but clapping in the ancient world meant agreement. When hands come together, it means we agree. So if we make a handshake agreement or if our team scores, we do a high five. When hands come together, it means we're collectively agreeing on this and we're gonna celebrate. And here's what's gonna happen. Faith is gonna rise in this place and the guilt, the fear, the shame, the pain. You're not gonna have to carry that one more day because the good news is better than that. The good news is your goat has left the building. Give me some beat. No, no, give me a beat like they can clap to.
you to think too long about your regret but you do know what it is before you leave this building tonight you need to let that regret go because the goat has left the building but can you let it go because that's the purpose of this message tonight As you walk out the doors, I want you to have that revelation that God has taken care of that regret. You don't have to carry it for another day longer. You don't have to wake up in the morning and think about it again. You don't have to let it dog the rest of your life. Powerful message you've heard tonight. We need to activate it fully. We need to let it go. There's no one in this room that hasn't got something. They need to let go. So I just want us to say together, we've already done it, but just to add to Shane's message, I want us to shout and declare together, the goat has left the building. And as you say that, I want you to think to yourself, man, my regret is under the blood. It's gone. It's dealt with. It doesn't need to plague me for another moment or another day. You with me? You with me on that? So important. I want you to go free. I want something tonight to be a moment that changes your life forever. Forever. So you're free. Some of you have carried stuff for 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You've blamed yourself. You've condemned yourself. Others have blamed you. Others have condemned you. But I feel that what Shane has shared tonight is just can absolutely change our lives forever. Because regret is crippling. It cripples our faith. It cripples our joy. It cripples so much. But Jesus has dealt with it. Whether it was your fault or not, it doesn't matter. So three times together, then the drummer's going to give us a bit of a drum roll. And we've already done a clap, but let's show Shane how Church Unlimited can really clap and really shout and really let it rip, all right? You ready for this, folks? Okay, my reputation's at stake right now, okay? <laughs> all right, so don't let me down, drummer. You know what to do, eh, team? You know what to do. But no, the point is, the goat has left the building. You ready? On the count of three, three times together. Three, two, one. The goat has left the building. The goat has left the building. The goat has left the building. Yeah. Yeah, the goat. The goat has left the building. The goat has left the building. You're free. You're free. You're free. You're released. Let it go. Let it go. 
Jesus' name. Jesus' name.